In this episode, Ryan and I discuss the importance of having an agent who can and will advocate for you during the application process. And of course, we discussed much more that you'll enjoy, I'm sure. We had fun. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. And I'm your co-host, Ryan Gray. So after 45 minutes of <laughs> sitting around jawing on what we're going to talk about, we were... Uh, Ready to go. We prepped. <laughs> That's our podcast's prep time. Right. And right, so we, uh, you know, we just, hey, Mr. Griggs, what do you want to talk about? Oh, I don't know, James. What do you want to talk about? The comments are fun to start with. Okay. <laughs> so fun. I'll read it and then you can respond fresh. Jonathan comments on YouTube. Just first names. We keep it anonymous, you know. Jonathan comments, none of these videos give you a hard breakdown like on a whiteboard, how it all works. All the talk is just generalizations. That's what makes it seem like a gimmick. <laughs> what I enjoy is that there's no whiteboard on this comment and it sounds pretty general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like a gimmick to me, like a drive-by comment. Yeah. Look, we, this is different. You know, there's plenty of that out there. If you want to go see the the people who do the Excel things and, you know, they have conjured their own algorithms uh, and they put it on a whiteboard to make it look real official, you know, <laughs> right. this is, you know, we speak English. It, it's, you know, we're not perfect with <clears throat> grammar and all that, but I'm not, you are. Thank you. Gets pretty close. And, uh, you know, Nelson spoke in very simple language. Becoming Your Own Banker is written for the layperson. He gave talks to the public. Becoming Your Own Banker was a, a, a result of his uh, in-public seminars, right? compiling that material and then binding it together as a book. So there's a tradition in this movement of just speaking in plain English. And I'm accused all the time of getting too technical. And if, we, if you want the numbers, you know, I don't know if you're aware of the Medium blog, but I have a blog where there's plenty of numerical examples and little equations and things. You know, we try not to overcomplicate it. So many people overcomplicate it to make it seem better than it is, to sound mystical in order to make you feel unintelligent so that you have to trust them in order to get the product in force and to convince you to say yes. Um, and I'm not interested in that. But if you are, there's plenty of it out there. You know, you can have the fast food. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't disagree. I've done my share of whiteboards and third-party software and still use third-party software in a limited role. Um, I think I've, I know that I've released a lot of presentations that were given live. Um, I might have incorporated a whiteboard in a different way. Had I known or thought that those videos would be released to the general public, mm. you know, but um, as I have said and continue to say, if you're going to make your decision off of numbers on a page, you're probably not going to make a good decision. And then if you um, want to get worse than that, if you're going to make your decision based on a bunch of lines, squiggly lines on a whiteboard, your decision is probably going to be worse. Yeah. And <clears throat> I have come to believe over the last several years that, um, and rightly so, I mean, they're everlasting principles in my opinion, 
I mean, in my philosophy that, you know, you speak the truth. The people that are looking for the truth resonate with the truth. If you want to speak gimmicks and, and, and I have to present myself as holier than thou or smarter than you, dumb it down for you, um, and you just want sound bites and you're going to make legitimate decisions based on sound bites, um, it's not going to go well for you. But you, you, Jonathan, I could see from your comments, it's crystal clear that you're attracted to the gimmick stuff. So please walk on by <laughs> okay, and leave a good comment that we can, you know, have uh, fun with and share with the listeners that are seeking the truth. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. I've had to accept, come to learn and accept over the f- years in this. By the way, so we're here in late September 2021. Next month, obviously, is October. That'll be four years for me. So coming up on an annual anniversary in the business. Really? Yeah. We started, I started with you. In I'm October. so proud of you. <laughs> four years. Yeah. Yeah. Four wow. years. So and over- knocking it out of the park in four years. Thank you. And over that period of time, I've had to learn that you you can't reach everybody. You know, I no. t- sometimes I encounter these certain mindsets that just drive me up a wall. You know, one of them goes, um, you know, I understand that you talk about IBC with this capital stuff and banking, but you know, I'm really looking at this as just another component of my overall diversified portfolio and <laughs> so i know i not don't don't want a lot of death benefit just want to do the cash i don't want value. any death benefit right no no nothing and that's just it's like i it is it's not frustrating anymore it's it, it kind of disappoints me because people miss so much especially when people like people who use that language typically have some degree of success and consequently can do more like the more you make the more you can do sure with the more premium you can pay the more cash value you can build and it's like man you you know you'd miss out this the, the one i'm thinking of in particular was in real estate and and he had bought foreclosures and done all the things that you would use capital for in real estate i'm well, like why would i do this i know <laughs> i'm like man if only you could see it and yeah. as we've gone through the process and talk through structure and company selection and all the things that are more important than structure, by the way, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've ended up at a, a specific design, a certain premium level for him. And he's started, he's starting to come around, I think, and see, he, there are other things too. He's like, he's talking about how his father passed away early and he doesn't think he's going to live that long. I mean, the guy's young early for, I'm like, this is getting me depressed. <laughs> like, like all things you got to do is hang around with a bunch of other real estate gurus and their real estate clubs, which I'm a member of some. Um, and they'll talk him smooth out of dividend paying whole life insurance, that high commissionable product. And, you know, they've got to disparage your character and, yeah. uh, yeah, but I commend him. He's really come around, and I, I think he's starting to see the power of it now. His last comment was to me, "Well, what if we did more, more premium?" I'm like, <laughs> "We're getting somewhere now." All the numbers on the right side of the page go up. That's what happens. <laughs> <Yeah>, the <laughs> numbers go up. That's exactly what happens if I do more. The numbers go up. What happens if I do less? The numbers go down. It's what happens if I change my mind. It depends on the structure of the policy. Mm. Let's see. It's like I say it all the time, over and over and over. Um, and talking about client conversations, you know, we have several every day, every, every day, day in, day out, and they're beautiful. Um, 
talk to an individual because it speaks exactly to this and even to the comment. <clears throat> the gentleman is, uh, I think, first generation American, mm. you know, citizen, productive, family oriented, um, successful. And he contacts our office, and from the beginning, he's like, listen, I have engaged with three and four different organizations. Every one of them say something different. And it's always about the structure. The focus is on the structure, which is wrong. He says that one in entity or one group says that 90-10 is best for me. And he asks them why, and they can't explain why or why not. He said the next group says that 80-20 is best for me. But when I ask them why, they can't explain why or why not. The same with 70-30 and 60-40. And, uh, and we're just like, okay, are you ready to do it right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm all in. So we go through our process. And, uh, and he's probably going to become a client. I mean, I don't know what people do and why they do it. But if he doesn't become a client, you know why he won't become a client? Hmm. Is because he drug his wife through that hmm. whole process with all of the other organizations that are saying everything is completely different. You, you talk to them here, there, and yon, they're all different and they can't explain why or why not. You know, and I mean, he, he shared with us too. He's like, James, no one has ever asked the questions that y'all ask. Mm -hmm. You know, no one, the, the, the detailed, uh, personal questions to understand mm -hmm. me and what I'm trying to do and what I want to oh, do. Oh, wow. They all just say, tell me what you want to pay, and then we'll send you an illustration, and this is best for you. And so his wife, mm -hmm. and this is why I love. Uh, it's not even advising. You're not an advisor. That's not. No, no. No. That's that's not even uh, proper order taking. <laughs> 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 it's not. <laughs> It's like uh, throwing whatever on the wall to see what sticks. Yeah. That's what that is. Um, anyway, his wife, after going through all that, and God bless her, you know, she's like, no, they're all shysters. Yeah, yeah, I get it. And they're they're all the same, mm -hmm. right? And, and that, too, exists for the newly exposed to the idea of the infinite banking concept. That we're all the same, mm -hmm. and we're not. So, yeah. I think a big part of it, because I think people experience this. They watch these other podcasts. They eventually end up here, and I think it can happen. Like the question can arise: Why is it the case that there's all these various opinions, and there seems to be an all? You know, we'll, I'll put it right out there. There seems to be like a. Like tension in the industry. Oh, there is. You know? <laughs> and everybody likes to pretend it's not. And it's all like fairy dust and little ponies and unicorns and everything. And everything's all happy. And we're all in it together. It's like, no, no, we're not. Um, it's like, show me your papers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was listening to a, a podcast, Jordan Peterson, who Nelson liked, a major psychologist. He was interviewing the author of a book called The Boy Crisis. Uh, mm. I was talking about the crisis with young men and boys in the in the country and he had this quote and it like struck me right in the face he said anger is fear masked 
Sure. And I was like, oh, wow. I thought of all the times that I've gotten angry before. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I afraid of? Well, I think the people who get upset, uh, I think a lot of the, these agents who they're aware of us and, you know, we've, we've said that, that no structure is right for everybody. And that can seem threatening to these other organizations that have said that one structure, regardless of what it is, 10, 90, 20, 80, 30, 70, 50, 50, 40, 60, the, these, these agencies and these organizations that have hung their hat mm -hmm. on a specific structure <laughs> are threatened by the idea and they're fearful, consequently, because they feel threatened. They're threatened by the idea that there is no one size fits all, no. one structure for everybody. And so I think that the anger or the consternation that they might feel towards us or towards the ideas that we put out and which is expressed in these comments. Right. And if you've been a if you've been a, a consumer or a potential client of one of these agencies and you adopted even implicitly this mindset that there is one structure and you sort of identified yourself or aligned yourself with the view that one structure is right, you, too, will feel threatened and feel afraid when sure. another idea is confidently propose that no there is no one size fits all structure for everyone so what the, i think what that's coming from is this fear and the fear is and i think embedded in ignorance you know in, in my first year in the business i lived on credit cards okay it was rough rough talking about the four-year anniversary coming up it was hard. I decided that IBC was what I was going to do. And I was only going to do that. And there's not many people out there who start that way. There are some who end up there after having some <coughs> other experience in finance. But to some, for someone who wants to get into IBC, say, I'm going to do that. You know, I have some agents now. And I, you know, I tell them, do not be misguided. Do not be confused. This will be hard. Like, financial sales is difficult on its own. And then you're going to specialize in something that no one's ever heard of. Okay. It's not going to be easy rowing. Right. But I think that having, for me personally, having gone through that, having kind of been beaten down for an extended period of time has sort of beaten out of me this fear of going without. Mm. And I think that People who are hanging their hat on a certain, it's, it's kind of like a copy paste, drag and drop business strategy. One structure is the best. We're doing that structure. We work with the quote unquote best companies with the biggest names. Therefore, you should do business with us. That's a quick and easy drag and drop business marketing strategy. And when there's a other confident, informed, contrasting opinion, I think that makes them fearful because they think that might mean that they would go without. Yeah. And I think that's what's responsible for. I think that's the origin of a lot of this tension and a lot of the contrasting views. Maybe I, that I helps agree. people. I don't know. But, you know, they're, it's like I get angry. And Jana, my lovely wife, has always said that, you know, anger is uh, just an, an outward expression of inward fear. So the same thing yeah, said same differently. Thing. It's good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we get comments quite often about being triggered, you know, and I like to trigger Mr. Griggs before we turn the mics on <laughs> sometimes. Um, because it, it is not only entertaining, but it winds up being educational, in my opinion. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think there's a real benefit. I mean, yes, it's fun triggering you, and I do enjoy that. Um, Thank you. Get my blood pressure up on the weekend. <laughs> it's not just, you know, for the sake of triggering, right? I think the outcome yeah. of that, you know, because look, we can listen. I try not to listen to financial podcasts, even this one. I don't listen to it very often, and, you know, I rely on the AB Ninja and, you know, my experience and your editing for proper grammar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get angry. And and so if that's applied to me, the anger is an outward expression of inward fear, then what am I afraid of? Yeah. Okay. Well, here's what I'm concerned about. And I, I, I don't like to use the word fear. I don't like to make decisions based in fear. And I'm not going to go without. I've never gone without. You know, I mean, God's been better to me than you know, could even ever believe. And and I started years ago without mentorship. Um, and I know how absolutely difficult that is. But my concern is the truth being suppressed. Mm. Right? And then, you know, Nelson's legacy being perverted. Mm-hmm. Not that, uh, you know, I'm only one man. I can only do so much, but by God, what I can do, I'll do, right? Um, and then my concern is for the people that it ultimately hurts. Yeah. These terrible structures, right? Um, <clears throat> so it does make me angry, too. The selfish part of that is there's such an educational process. You know, no one's ever heard of this, and you're going to go into the financial services industry trying to help or educate people on the complete an idea Right, a truth, but it's an idea and a concept that is completely opposite of what they've been told, mm-hmm. and it's really counterintuitive to the way we think about money, and which seems like that's a great opportunity to me, right? right? And it is, um, but it's challenging. Yeah, it should be a good thing. Like someone should be. It should be a relief. If there's a flaw in your preconceived ideas, because that because you can fix that (laughs) if you're aware of it. Yes. If you're willing to open to the idea. But if it's not, if if it if you're perfect in your preconceived ideas and there's still something wrong, well, then that that's less desirable. You're going to have to live with that. Right. When it's, it's better if there is something that you can address in your own thinking if you're willing to and if you're willing to become aware of it, um, because then you can opt out of the whole system that everybody else is engrossed in. Yeah. Uh, and, and what better time? You know, it's we had a we had a call yesterday with some uh, other professionals and they were they kind of have a, had had have had a similar experience in their business that with the growing uncertainty and political chaos and financial volatility and economic volatility that their business has been going better than ever. And there's a sense in which that's like, it's unfortunate that some would benefit when so many are suffering. But at the same time, it's a, it's like at least some can benefit. Like it would be worse if everybody had to suffer, you know, that there it's better (laughs) that there is a way out. That you can reconsider things. I, I come back. I, I really look back. It's so God works in such interesting ways. Like the, the last, uh, 
IBC think tank that Nelson attended was the first one I presented at where I laid out the, for the first time publicly that the difference between capitalizing and investing. And we've talked some about charitable stuff and philanthropy and it fits. A lot. We've talked about that a lot. A lot. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit relative to all that's going to come in the future. Um, It fits hand in glove with the idea of maximizing capital, retaining control over capital, retaining access to it. Um, And if people would consider that, I mean, you got to go 30,000 feet or higher. You got to go big bird's eye view and be willing to consider that all that, this hodgepodge piecemeal uh, conglomeration of things that you've picked up from your high school home econ class or from the brother-in-law who happened to go work for a major financial services firm or your boss at the last company you worked for all these all these little your mother-in-law all these little pieces that you've conglomerated together all of that stuff falls within a certain paradigm right a certain investing paradigm a certain uh, assets under management paradigm, right? It all ends up there. For some reason, all the all these companies want you to give control of your capital to somebody else, right? Hmm, hmm. Uh, and it, it to be willing to recognize that that is a certain set of ideas that we can, we don't have to challenge them or undermine them or whatever, just set it aside and be willing to consider that there's another <clears throat> approach to, the, to what the what we even mean when we say financial questions, right? What's the the financial goal? I we have mentioned it on here before. Like I, when I first start talking to people, we talk about philosophy. Mm-hmm. Like, what do we actually want to achieve objectively over someone's lifetime and into the next life? And that the, the, their conversations with other financial people don't start that way. You know, it's never that. It's never what's the philosophical orientation? What's our purpose? What's our objective? What are we trying to achieve? Which is crazy. You know, you would think that you would start there, but what is the role? I, I've I've asked it a lot. Like, what is the role of a financial advisor? And I've said, I said, I did a long Facebook post the other day. It's like, if the if you're not discussing capital or the banking function, as Nelson would have said, if that is not the subject of the conversation, you are not having a financial advisory conversation. You could be having a conversation about the sale of a certain kind of financial product. Fine, you wanna do that, go ahead. But that is not a strategic advisory conversation unless it's about control, access to capital, control or access to the banking function. If that's not the question, then we're not talking about financial stuff. Right? We're talking about some subcomponent some particular product that somebody wants to sell. And that's, that is what it is, you know, fast food's available, you can eat that. But it's not, in my view, and I don't think most financial people ask the question, what is the role of a financial advisor? I think they think that's a job, it's an employment status that some people have in affiliation with some company, and it kind of ends there. I don't think people consider it from the perspective of like a vocation, or, or a profession independent of some particular employment organization or some particular employment arrangement. And so no wonder that this is where we end up. No wonder that it, it, we end up with the drag and drop, copy paste, 
kind of mentality. And it it does. Re- and so, yeah, do people get, you know, no one's perfect. We're not always going to be not angry or not triggered or not frustrated. And I do think there's a difference between anger and frustration. But, you know, I do get, if I was on uh, Jason Lowe and Richard Canfield's podcast that will be coming out, here at the end of September in 2021. Our Canadian friends, yep. Wealth Without Bay Street. Yep. And I got, of course, all fired up because they wanted to talk about an article I wrote about Dave Ramsey. And, you know, but I said on there, it's like, if it's not that I don't want to be coming out of nowhere and being the big old angry Hulk person. But if you see things a certain way, and it leads you to certain inescapable conclusions. You can't help but be frustrated about it because you know what the alternative is. And so if that comes through, well, then, you know, it should give you an idea of the magnitude of the difference between what we're doing and what else is out there. And I think that it's, some of, it's okay to be energized by that. Yeah, I mean, if you... <clears throat> energized if you don't have passion um you know applied to what you're doing it's like hey, how exciting can it be you gave an easter egg last time and i wanted to bring it up and you can tell me as much of it as you want to but you talked about some oh, clients. It's an easter egg for a reason <laughs> <laughs> you talked about some clients that you have kind of changing subjects here that had a, a husband and wife who were going through the process to implement ibc in their own personal lives and then towards the end of the process, they said, oh, James, we forgot to tell you about our nonprofit that we have. And so I think what's exciting that nobody talks about is how IBC can be integrated in into a charitable or philanthropic context. And just how available that is. And there are many. Yeah, and just how available that is to so many people. Oh like when you and I first started talking about charitable stuff, I remember the first thing, I had used the example of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and you said that, well, my clients aren't Bill and Melinda Gates. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But the uh, the underlying suggestion there is like, it takes a lot of money to do that. When in fact, I think we've seen that Yeah, but that was that just one doesn't. comment on a conversation. There's, know, yeah. there's uh, many entities that are tax exempt mm-hmm. okay and let's just, just talk about the church which is not necessarily what we're talking about my right. clients are that is a, a a ministry that they have and it that is a church to 501c3 all right um which is everybody's aware of those mm-hmm. right we all go to church or we've been to church or you know we're in but then when you, you mentioned Dave Ramsey, which I don't really like talking about all these financial entertainers, um, because they promote the same narrative, you know, that, that is just, I'm over it. I'm over the narrative that they promote because it's complete dependency is what they promote. Dependency upon Wall Street and their god-awful products that they create and voice onto the unsuspecting American public. And then they get paid very well to do that. Okay. And then they make, try to make the churches dependent upon their curriculum. It's just another level of dependency. Um, Just like the agent, you know, how uh, it is difficult, you know, starting out the agent, even the advisor in the investment world, when you don't have clients and, you know, you're trying to find your way and not starve to death. 
um, there's a whole industry that's created for the agent and the advisors to become dependent upon third-party software. Right When the agent's dependent upon that to convey the power of life insurance, they're dependent. And if something goes wrong there, um, you know, how are they going to convey the power of life insurance? And then if the agent or advisor is dependent upon it, then the consumer is going to be dependent upon it as well. You know, real estate investor, let me see your pro forma. Let me compare the pro forma to the life insurance um, illustration. And I'll compare that to the investment projection. All three are created from different basis, from a different basis, right? And, and so I'm just saying the charitable, when it comes to the charitable organizations, mainly the church, you have these third-party um, financial gurus that are trying, that is trying, they're trying to make the church and the congregation dependent upon their curriculum. To, I'm going to teach you financial independence, Really? By being dependent upon <laughs> Wall Street and their products? Now, I understand. Look, you, can you? And maybe they can convey a certain amount of discipline, like you need to spend less than you earn. No kidding. All right. Um, you can learn those. A lot of fabulous financial concepts right out of the book, the Bible. Okay. And then you're going to... Uh, encourage the pastor, the preacher, you know, the board, the elders, whatever structure is, uh, you're going to be dependent upon this software so your congregation can get out of debt. Now, that sounds altruistic and benevolent, so they can live like no other. So you, preacher, pastor, church, your congregation, if they're out of debt, they'll tithe more. Mm. Really? Now, I'm not saying that uh, there's not some good financial concepts that are taught. I'm not saying that. But dollar cost averages are not one of them. <laughs> I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Um, whenever you marry the infinite banking concept with a tax exempt organization, you can change the world. You can change the world, and it's a bottom-up change. It's not a change that's given from the top down. Right. I mean, it's incredible that that we don't already participate in Find this. It, yes. Yeah. You know, and then I had another conversation with an individual. He's a client, been a client, and substantial. You know, as far as you know, generational and you know, business, personal, and. Uh, He's like, this whole idea of mutuality, mm. the whole idea that me, the mm -hmm. consumer, the policy owner, is an owner of the company. I mean, think that through. Think that through. So a mutual company is owned by the policyholders. Every company that exists, exists for two primary purposes. Number one is to provide a good or service. And number two is to make a profit. <laughs> right. It's like capitalism is the foundation of, in Christianity, I might say, is the foundation of every good thing that has ever happened in man's life. All right. Okay. Now, 
what's the opposite of that? Oh, you're just selling life insurance. You damn right I'm selling life insurance. I'm buying it too. I get paid commissions, full disclosure on the bottom, you know. Yes. You dang right I am. Don't mean to cuss. Okay. Um, what's the opposite of that? I can go buy a stock life insurance company, mm-hmm. a life insurance company that issues stock that are owned by the shareholder, that is owned by the shareholders. And they may or may not pay a dividend on that stock. And it may or may not appreciate in value. Mm-hmm. Probably will with all the hedge funds and private equity groups that are buying life insurance companies. Now, listen, why in the world would a hedge fund or a private equity group spend so much? And go look it up. There's hundreds, or I don't want to say hundreds, Barry Dacus just put out a good report, gives a bit of a history on the life insurance companies that are purchased by hedge funds. Mm. And private equity groups. Now, and I understand that the investor in some of those groups don't always make money, but the owners always make money. All right. So, do you think that that's like no value in a life insurance company? Mm. Why are they buying? Why them? would they want them? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Why would they want them? And then why would they want to buy a company to demutualize it? All right. So they can repurpose it, the life insurance company and all of its products. Okay. I digress. So I could go onto the market and buy a stock from a, on a, a, a of a publicly traded life insurance company. And then I can go buy their policies. Mm-hmm. Right. So I own the policy, I get the coverage. And then if the stock value goes up, I get that appreciation and the dividend. Right. Okay. I mean, I can do that. Yeah. I could also go buy, um, you know, long-term tax-free mini bonds and go buy a 30-year term, right? So this really kind of gets back to the philosophy, right? And really, what are we doing? We're solving the banking function in your life. And it does exist, whether you pay cash, whether you formally finance with 0% interest, it's um, the banking function. And at the end of the day, it's life insurance, which brings me to another conversation, James, I'm fully insured. The individual cannot buy more life insurance. Okay? And there's very few of you listening that can say that, me included. And it's substantial individual, substantial businesses and investments and cash flows and arrangements. And I have to say I'm pretty excited. I have my application was recently approved and on your own life at the, at the maximum. Good for you. Oh, it tells me you're not making enough money. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> well, I'm, so and um, he's like, now what? He said, I don't have any outstanding loans. I've paid up to the MEC limit on all of the premiums. Actually, all right. Um, it's like, now what? Now what? Well, look at what all you're financing. Yeah. So do you want to trade options? You want to you want to trade you know coconut uh, farmland in South America, whatever it is that you're going to do anyway, mm-hmm. right? He needs to finance the start of a non-operating foundation. <laughs> he will, yeah, right, because he's very benevolent anyway. Mm-hmm. Why do you assume it's a he? Well, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that reminds me of September. So here, here. Uh, Toward the end of 2021, right? We're coming up on the fourth quarter, the end of the third quarter. 
So the 7702 changes all have to be implemented by January 1 of 2022, right? So right under the radar, like your uh, last application was approved. You yeah. Want, you want to talk about the, uh, I don't want to talk about that personal. De- you, you, you share all the personal details yeah. you want. No, I don't want to. Um, it's as much I don't want to you. as <laughs> I was allowed to get given what's given verifiable income. Right. So all I, that stuff you're doing under the table doesn't count. You got to have my <laughs> thing is you have to have tax documentation and there's a delay in tax. I mean, you file the following year, you don't get the thing back. And so there's given where I am. Yeah. Listen, nobody can be overinsured, right? That doesn't exist. You cannot legally be overinsured. Right. So the life insurance, the total amount you can have in force is based on your age and your income. And then there's a factor. The younger you are, the higher the factor. If you're 20, if you're 30, you can have like 30 times your income, right? Now, the bigger the numbers get, you know, as your income goes up and, and maybe you have a business and your gross income is 5 million and your net income is a million because your margins are, you know, not that great. (laughs) <laughs> just kidding because <laughs> um, you're like working harder than most people like want to give you credit for yeah right um then it becomes an art on what number to use grosser net it's just never talked about you know this is never the, talked about the, a, a substantial per, pe- people who are economically productive and successful who want to fully and properly adopt the infinite banking concept it is a challenge to communicate the economic reality, put the accounting stuff aside, okay? <laughs> the accounting stuff is done between you, your accountant, and the government for with certain assumptions and with certain objectives. Well, that will say it that far, okay? <laughs> You're and being that's, very generous that's, in your language. You're being very polite. <laughs> that's one thing, right? That's one element of your economic reality. The other element of your economic reality is what's actually happening on the ground. Oh. Like what the actual cash flows are, what, you know, the value you're creating, what the true margins are. Y'all know what I'm talking about. There is a, and those are two, those can be two, they can diverge, believe it or not. What, you know what I'm saying? It becomes, if you want to implement IBC and integrate it so that it can correspond to the facts on the ground, the economic reality, which may or may not diverge from what has been recorded in the accounting books. And look, you know, pay your taxes and all that, but there are certain things, certain legal things you can do, y'all know, in order to manage your tax liability. That results in one form of accounts. (laughs) And then there's- What are you saying, sir? And then I'm saying that there's the actual economic facts on the ground. And, we, and if you want a premium payment ability, if you want a contractual structure that allows you to pay the kind of premium that the actual facts on the ground would suggest, that you need an agent with a relationship with the appropriate company who can make that argument. Because it's not, the company is not going to sit there and just hand these contracts out like candy. He, he, look, he's making a, a legitimate and a valid point. Nelson used to say this, is like, by the time you solve for your banking need, you're asking for so much death benefit, you can't get it past the underwriter. Now, the companies that you write for, the companies that I write for, we love them, we own them, we help educate them. And the 
what is happening on the ground in your business, nobody knows like you do, right? Nobody will ever give you credit. You know this. And, and so to convey the insurability to someone in an ivory yes. tower 3,000 miles away or whatever um, is can be challenging, right? It, it can be challenging and uh, – and if the underwriter Difficult says, and if the, and if the underwriter says no, <laughs> then you don't get the policy you want. You don't get the premium you wanted yeah. to pay. And all the companies are similar, right? There's not one underwriting standard for one company and a different underwriting standard for another. Yep. Now there are games that they do table shape, but we're talking about financial suitability, right, and insurability. Beyond the health, you know, beyond the table shaving, is what supports that $10 million death benefit that you're asking for, right? Is yep. it gross income or is it net income? Why are, you know, I mean. And if there's a decision with one company <laughs> and you say, well, they wouldn't give me what I want, so I'm going to go get it from another company, the other company is going to want to know why the other company said no. And you think they're going to go above and beyond to take a risk that somebody else in their industry wasn't willing to? If the agent can properly convey the reason why the life insurance company can comfortably say yes. And if they had done that in the first place, <laughs> right. there wouldn't have been a no from the first company. Yeah. Right. So I wonder how much business. I just had this happen the other day and the underwriter was wrong. What? And we had a husband and wife. And were, they, were they subject to be corrected? Yep. Willing to, I mean, they asked the question, but it wasn't like, it wasn't, they weren't eager to be corrected. You know, <laughs> it was like, they had to check the box. Like, what are you asking for here? Sure. And they were evaluating human life. It was a husband and a wife. They were evaluating, the underwriter was evaluating human life value based on the wife's relatively low income because she worked part-time and took care of the household. Husband was a breadwinner. We had a lot of insurance. The underwriter missed I wrote this. We write a cover letter. We explain the case. We preempt all of this so it a goes as smoothly as possible. Yeah. That's old-fashioned, Mr. Griggs. Uh, yeah. And uh, this one was deep. This was like two pages of thorough explanation of, in the underwriter's terms, why this application should go through. The justification for the amount of death benefit we were asking for on the lesser-earning spouse was in terms of the husband's enforced death benefit. Yeah. The greater insured. And- so the underwriter was looking at it in terms of evaluating based on her income. And I'm saying, no, no, we need to justify it based on the greater earning spouse's death benefit, which is appropriate. And I know that's all complex. You don't need to master it, but that's what we were doing. And so the underwriter was said, based on what she thought was the appropriate way to look at insurability, that no, this wasn't going to happen. Mm. And I get irritated. You know, it's like, so I wrote in the I wrote in the email. I'm Imagine like, Mr. Griggs gets irritated. <laughs> I wrote in the email. I'm like, as I said in the cover letter, right, right, <laughs> attached right. below and pasted here. You know, I had to re, but it was all done. It was a it, we made it a formality. Yeah, it, it didn't it didn't cause a big problem. No, you know they would have lost that, that this client would have lost about a quarter of their ability to pay premium that they were asking for had what this underwriter said. Had, had they worked with a lesser agent? I'm just yeah. saying, I don't want to beat the agent. I want to encourage the agents, right? I want to, if you're a life insurance agent, I want to encourage All the stuff we hear from the <laughs> To do the right thing, because we hear two different things all day, day in and day out. This guy's probably an agent talking about whiteboards, right? Because <laughs> he can't convey, or he's working with an agent that is dependent upon third-party software. But, and, and I've 
gotten lots of flack from being too harsh on a oh I ask yeah. an innocent question. Be no, positive. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't an innocent question by the year, words you used. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't innocent. So let's, you know, I'm full of grace. I would like to receive grace and I like to extend grace. We're all human. Even the underwriters in the home office are human. Oh my gosh, they can make a mistake. But it's not like they have the attitude that it's my way or the highway. They have in their most often, if they are not willing to give the agent the opportunity to um, document and support what the client is asking for, I'm not even interested in talking to the underwriter in that situation. Yeah. So I happen to know who you're talking about, and they're all legitimate, in my opinion. You know, God love them. All right. The, um, the idea that the life insurance company is a bad entity is wrong. And it's a narrative that has been promoted and pushed on purpose. These people believe in the idea of mutuality and they believe in the nobility of life insurance or they wouldn't be working where they're at. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you, the consumer, is newly exposed to the infinite banking concept, probably if you're older, you've already jumped over the idea of life insurance and have already predetermined that it's a bad idea based on somebody else's misunderstanding of life insurance. Yeah. Given that, I'm when you get past convicted in it. Right, life insurance, get past that. And when you're exposed to the idea of the infinite banking concept and you get past the word life insurance, right? Um, you'll be better off for it. But to get a policy in force, you have to go through all of this. You have to go through underwriting. You have to deal with the underwriters. You have to have a competent agent that can make the case and make it easier. Give the underwriters a reason to say yes. And you, the life insurance agent, should know your profession well enough to be able to do that competently. And if that makes you angry, perfect. Move on. You keep listening. I'm talking to the agents, right? <laughs> you know, I want to be encouraging and admonishing at the same time. All right. So, and, and nothing but love. The people need you. You, they need you to step up and do your job. And yeah, here, so here's a positive piece of advice. Ask your RVP, ask the underwriter what they need to know on an application. Have you ever done that? Hmm. And you mean they, they do applications? That's old fashioned too. You know, these life insurance companies like here, the agent makes the case and, and just says, oh, the underwriting department of the third party underwriters will call you and they don't even complete an application. They don't submit a cover letter. They don't do anything here. Just call them and see if it goes through. And then surely, you know, if you call them, the consumer calls them and they decide, uh, you tell me the premium, I'm going to shoot you out an illustration. It's probably going to show a preferred illustration. Wonder mm -hmm. why mm -hmm. there are so many games in the life insurance industry. And this is why people don't like life. This is why the life insurance companies have a reputation that they do. They've earned it. Yeah. And I've encountered the attitude of entitlement. Like, well, if I want this, they, they should just give it to me. You are a plot. You are asking for a policy, a contract, a product from a company. They do not have to give it to you. They can say no. They can say no for whatever reason they want. That's to. kind of a, it's a good point because you are offering the life insurance company the opportunity to insure you. They are not offering you quote unquote life insurance. You have to ask for it. it, it you had that, that, 
transaction has to be initiated by the individual. I understand there's marketing. The marketing is to encourage you to apply to ask for permission for the policy. It has to, the, the, Essence of the transaction begins with a consumer who is sending an application. That is the first formal part of the life insurance purchase process. You apply. And in that application, that application includes a certain design, a certain structure of a contract. Uh, and based on the amount of premium that you're, des that you would like the ability to pay based on the proposed death benefit that would go with or is associated with that ability to pay premium that you're asking for, certain requirements must be fulfilled in that application. A certain case has to be made by fundamentally the agent, right? That's the, should be the agent's role is to make the case to justify a particular structure a particular proposed policy uh, embedded within a certain application and an agent has to make the case and when the companies mess up which they will do and hopefully it's not your application they screw up but it could be there you would it would be nice i would think if you want us if you want a certain if you go into this with a certain desire to pay premium and that's what you want it would, I would imagine it would be a good thing to have an agent who could ensure to the best of his or her ability that you could actually get that, right? And that doesn't always happen. We hear, we had a company down the other month or earlier this year talking to some of, one of the underwriters, like a recreational event. <laughs> he was talking about other agents in another part of the country. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> who they send in applications and they don't even know what the proposed death benefit is. And the underwriters ask, why Why do you want this? Why does this person, why does this proposed client want that much death benefit? And the agents tell them, who cares? <laughs> What's the underwriter supposed to do with that? The underwriter's job is to underwrite. They're to evaluate an application. The underwriter's job is not to advocate on behalf of an applicant. That is the agent's job. And so if an agent abdicates that responsibility and does not add a lot of a words does not advocate for the applicant the underwriter is just going to say no that's their job they're not what are they gonna, they're not going to fat they don't know the applicant the underwriter is not going to fabricate a justification for a proposed policy their job is without the proposed justification it's like the definition of underwriting their job is to say no to a poorly justified <laughs> application, and they do. And oh my goodness! Listen, talk about fabrication. <clears throat> um, and if you have an agent that is willing to fabricate any kind of false information or unclear information, it is not in your benefit at all. Those agents <laughs> develop a reputation in the industry. <laughs> they do. The uh, you know, we have a conversation. We that's all we do is have we conversate all day, every day, <laughs> all every day, all day. <laughs> and then uh, the idea of uh, moral hazard, mm. you know, has it's almost been forgotten. Um, it, I guess it came up in uh, the World Trade Center and all that collapsing, and the insurance fraud that went mm. on there, and the money that was paid and. Uh, 
But the idea of moral hazard, let's, let's talk about that for a moment. <laughs> and the agents that are complicit in this, you know, just stop. Just do the industry in your client's favor and move on. Change industries. Or you can remain and make uh, other hardworking, professional, straight as an arrow agents very profitable because <laughs> you won't do your job. Okay, I digress. The idea that um, I have a premium, I'm willing to pay it, so just issue the policy, kind of that attitude. Right. So then the agent is all on board with that. He has a premium. He needs to pay it so I can get paid. Right. And I'm healthy, right? I can pass through underwriting, you know, as far as hell. But then uh, all that Lexus, Nexus background check and the financial you know, underwriting that goes on, you know, have you filed bankruptcy? How long has it been? Has it been adjudicated? Has it been settled? You know, uh, all the other things that they check and it's like, you know, oh, you know, I've got this and I've got this and I've got this in my background and I'm going to conveniently leave all that off. Like the, mm-hmm. you like, you're going to get something by the underwriters, yeah. you know, they check your Facebook page. There's so much public information that exists about you. You should do your own discovery and see what's available out there. Okay. I've been fortunate. I've had clients be fairly honest. And if something comes up that they didn't, like it'll be something that they genuinely didn't know about, like cholesterol or something that they weren't aware of a certain level. Um, (laughs) I'm just saying the idea that you're going to get something by. Right. And the agent is going to help you and encourage that. I'm going to go lose weight. Look, let's send the application in a month. I'm going to go on a fast for a month and I'll be 20 pounds lighter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why would an underwriter doesn't care about that? No, because the underwriter is looking at the last, you know, five years of medical records, 10 years or whatever. And they seen when you were like over, you're fat for a reason because you like food, you're not working out or whatever. Maybe it's genetics, whatever it is. But, uh, yeah. So the point is an applicant needs a competent agent to make the case, especially the more complicated the case. Like to truly, genuinely, and maybe this is not the first policy. A lot of people, given how long we've been online, given the age of, say, the Nelson Nash Institute, I mean, Becoming Your Own Banker was only published in 2000. A lot of the purchases of a dividend-paying whole life for the purpose of IBC are first-time purchases. Right. And, you know, that... But Nelson talked about how you will develop a system over time. And so that means more than one policy. And there's a whole way to think about when to properly expand and the right time to expand and why not to do it sooner than you otherwise would need to. There's a whole conversation to be had about that. But the point is you're going to build out a system over time should you continue to diligently practice the infinite banking concept. And and there's a sense in which if you get over the initial hump and get through all the preconceived ideas, you know, once you catch – the concept, like Nelson said, IBC is more caught than it is taught. Once you catch it, you kind of can't get it off you. I have a, a a client who started early on with me who ended up going to – I hope he watches this too. I told him very directly this irritated me. Oh. He went to one of the big companies because he wanted to sell life insurance. Mm, he wanted to become an agent yeah. after he was your client. He didn't reach out to you? Nope. Oh, huh. And then went through, what, two years of the industry? And guess who's coming around now? Oh, yeah. no. Did he go with one of the big four that has a training and recruiting and blah, yep, blah, blah, blah? Yep, got tired of that. 
you know, wanted to talk about IBC, yeah. wanted to talk about banking, wanted to share becoming your own banking, becoming your own banker, wanted to appear on the Nelson Nash Institute Practitioner Finder, was told no. You will not be, you cannot, you, while operating under our contract, you will not give that book out. You will not. Yeah, so he eventually got tired of that. No kidding. No kidding. And so wanted to come back around to doing IBC. You know, and the companies, sort of a tangent, this is why we need certain companies that are amenable to this kind of business. You know, if the, they, they need to, you don't want to be sneaking things past the underwriter. I mean, the, the people out there who want to just get something by the underwriter, they're going to sneak it by, you know, and get away with something so you can feel like you've achieved some special victory. Set that aside. That is not the way to get ahead, right? You want to put forth a legitimate application with a, a, a an obvious, well-stated, out-in-front proposed death benefit that is justified as suitable with according to the appropriate standards by the agent in an underwriter's language to so that when you do go to expand in the future you can do that again right because if you're going to this is why i mentioned that a lot of these purchases are, are these initial first, first time, time purchases yeah, yeah. understand that if you are truly implementing what nelson taught if you're implementing the ibc there's going to be other purchases in the future and so if you're going to sneak something by the underwriter all sneaky like the first time around and you have an agent who just wants to get paid doing that you are burning your ability to get applications by in the future yep. so you have to be honest there is every incentive. If you are thinking properly, if you're thinking long-term, willing to think long-range, not afraid to capitalize, willing to pay your dues, willing to rethink your thinking, if you are abiding by what Nelson taught, you need to be honest because this is going to be an ongoing relationship. Um, and if you don't, because you are so convicted and you're, you know, got one foot in the conventional financial framework. Okay, fine. Just understand that your ability to build and accumulate capital and therefore deploy it in the future is going to be relatively limited. Right? You're going to miss out on some of that cash value that you otherwise would have accumulated. Um, you know, it kind of circles back to uh, a couple of things, you know, to, to add on to your point that um, laying the proper foundation is very important because if you have the correct foundation, you can build whatever structure on top of that you want, right? And so if you're less than honest or if you're having to fudge numbers or, or doing anything less than honest and straightforward, and it, it even gets down to, to uh, improper structure of a policy, right? It, if mm -hmm. it's not structured po properly, it's not a good foundation. And then if you're less than honest with help or without help, um, getting that first policy in force. And then you go back to that same company and even other companies, you know, it's kind of a cumulative, you know, if I'm asking for a million dollars of death benefit, I may, they only may work, uh, ask for medical records and an MVR moving motor, uh, vehicle motor vehicle report, you know, but if I'm asking for 5 million, you know, they want a resting EKG and they want a treadmill report or whatever. If I'm asking for 15 million, you know, they want me to see uh, their cardiologist or whatever. So if my numbers aren't correct on the first application and I'm trying to build on top of that, then I've got to go back and justify what the error was mm -hmm. on the first one. Was it human error? Was I, was I just, you know, did I just make a human error? And then all this information that goes on out there, kind of spoke about that a little bit earlier. 
you know, it's uh, it's okay to be aware of what's in your medical records. Okay, the little conversations you have with your <sighs> medical professional and what they put in the record. You know, when you apply for life insurance, a life insurance company is going to want to see those medical records. Or, you know, you're not buying fully underwritten life insurance. Okay. With a sketch company. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I don't know what the hedge funds do, but sides make profits. But, okay. But then, like your agent that your client that became an agent and, and, you know, and uh, got an education in the old school life insurance construct, which is damn near built in night. It is still stuck in 1950. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, philosophy. No, you cannot use this book, becoming your own banker. No, you cannot be a recognized or authorized practitioner. No. What? Well, why is that? Right. And we just right. encompassed the big four. Publicly do not support. They publicly um, discourage. They publicly state that, no, we do not like this idea that you can become your own banker. Publicly. So when you're going around talking about the big four and listening to these Johans that talk about the big four, uh, just know (laughs) that the philosophy of the big four does not line up with the idea that you can become your own banker. They're just dang near diametrically opposed. So what could go wrong? Why in the <laughs> world do you want to force me to do business with somebody who has the opposite philosophy of me? It's like, yeah, no, thank you. Um, anyway, philosophy <laughs> is very important. So uh, just show them how to do it right. Just be correct. Be right. Be right. You know, not that uh, this ain't perfect, but, you know, be an example of what to do. Right. And the last thing, too, is it's understandable. You know, I, get, I encounter people who are like, oh, I'm not super educated or I don't know, you know. I want to end with like a word of encouragement. Like this stuff is all learnable. This is not complex beyond uh you know, articulation. This is this is attainable. It's available. The book is not long. Um, we don't need to make. We make things more complicated than they need to be. And I am guilty. I am first in line on that struggle bus of making things more difficult than they need to be. I agree with that. You're first. In line. <laughs> <laughs> I like being first. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I've, I've, I'm right there with you. I got to get over the overthinking and all of that and just learn to open my ears a little wider than, you know, my mouth and, and listen a little more. I get that. I have to do that myself. That's but humble. there's a big old reward waiting on the other side of it. And now that I'm you know, a few years into these initial contracts and getting another one, you know, that cash value growth starting to hustle and and listen, tax starting to hustle. What do you, you had cash value from day one, young man? I know, but the growth is starting to be more and more significant. This is so what happens every time. Mm-hmm. You look up after a couple of years, you built the policy. You've seen <laughs> those numbers. And here we are three or four years later. And it's like, what? <laughs> what? You've seen them. Yeah. You built it. 
And let me tell you how much of a relief it is. I mean, in my position, 1099, independent contractor, right? Taxes are paid all at once at the end of the year. Um, and that's a big check, right? That's for anybody. You don't care what your income is. It's a big chunk of that income. It's a big number, period, for all the pe for all people out there. And to know that there's this rising capital base underneath me that I don't have to, you know, I, I didn't build a policy in, in, with the on the expectation of turning around and collateralizing every dime of cash value, right? It was built with the a prop, a proper premium level so that I can leave some of my powder dry, so I can leave some cash value uncollateralized. Or when the opportunities show up. So in case there's a year where I do better than I thought I was going to, and the tax bill at the end of the year is bigger than I thought it was going to be, that I have enough cash value, I can go take a policy loan to help finance those tax payments. It's such a relief. And to know that the cash value growth in the following year is gonna be bigger. So the ability to offset unexpected future costs like surprisingly high taxes will get easier regardless of what happens to what? the rest of the economy. What? With the, with Wait, and you can't control the interest rates anyway? It's such a Wait, relief. <laughs> did you get stuck on the dividends? Did you get stuck on the dividends as a consumer watching them being paid? Oh, huh? Did, all, did, did, <laughs> could you call up the company and have any effect on their dividend scale anyway? <laughs> did you look at all the markets around the world and like, oh my gosh, I want to be dependent upon the commodities in India? <laughs> <laughs> right no it's like so wait a minute when's the last time you started a business that you didn't have to operate manage you know all of the top line the bottom line and all that mm. well james why are you saying that oh i don't know if i'm owning and i do dividend paying life insurance issued by mutual companies i'm an owner of the company Right. I also have a farm. I also have a business and other business, you know, that, that requires a lot of time. These things don't happen and, and, and operate on their own. Right. It's okay that I'm an owner of a company <laughs> that is very pro that has been profitable for over 120, 130, 140 years. Am I, do they need me to armchair quarterback them to be profitable? I've only been around, you know, 55 years. No, they don't need me. Mm. I'm like, what's that worth? Wait a minute. The long-term internal rate of return on a real estate investment portfolio, if you go back to talk to some of the, or read some of the writings of the original gurus, I'm not talking about everybody who has a YouTube channel, you know, in their mama's basement. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the men and the women that have, most all of them have graduated now, that generation that have in, that invested in real estate, commercial, residential, multifamily, decade after decade, boom, bust cycles. When they say, well, the internal rate of return is about 6%. Mm -hmm. Booms and busts. Okay. Now, if I'm an owner of a company that is going to have a fair internal rate of return, I'm going to have access to capital yeah. immediately. And if everything goes wrong, I get to maintain control. I'm graduating first, and oh, my family and all the things that I love and support are going to be okay without me. Well, that's a you know a blow to the ego right there, right? right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what's wrong with that? Right. What's wrong with being in an ownership position of companies that are over a hundred years old? Mm -hmm. 
that are profitable. I mean, my whole point here is several, very natural. It is caught, but you got to vet it for yourself and your own family. And you've got to weed through all of the noise. That's why we talk about the noise here so much. Mm-hmm. And you, agent, advisor, you can beat me up all day long, brother. Because <laughs> I know when I'm stomping on a nerve, if I'm talking about integrity and <laughs> poor structure, you're the first to cry. You know, it's like, what did Babe Ruth say? The, and I want to be encouraging. There's no question. <laughs> the uh, loudest booze come from the cheapest seats. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I appreciate the listeners that are agents and advisors that are seeking the truth and doing the right thing. I commend you. Keep going. Be the example. Don't get lost in the noise. Don't let it get on you. Shake it off of you. Okay. It is worth it. Like you said, and whenever we all start this idea, I penciled the, the life insurance annual reports. Oh my gosh. I'd go online and I would do the uh, loaned on a, And I can't even run an Excel spreadsheet. I'd have it done. Penciling, doing the long form calculating on the interest and my call, blah, blah, blah. And literally after four years, it's like there's no hammer coming. The companies, most of them, paid the dividend that they illustrated. I built the policies. I look up and like, my gosh, there's that much cash value in there. They paid that dividend. (laughs) And I financed this, 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 and that. It's like, it's natural. Okay. I want more. Mm-hmm. The expansion of the system. Yeah. And just to know that that... That's natural. So just to know that the capital position every year... And given when I started, you know, the earlier you start building capital, the better. But there's... It's it's never too late. Yeah. Uh, but 10 years from now, and you know, I kind of have an idea of what the cash value... It's like... You have an idea in those two nice. policies... Yeah. What you can't see in the mind cannot right. foresee its own advance. What you can't see is a third, fourth, and fifth policy. Right. right. Pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Look, don't jump over the new mics either, man. Yes. I'm I was redoing equipment in my own little home studio because I'm gonna do some little videos myself as well. And so I came across this is the only the only mic arm that comes up from below or mm. from the side. Everything else is over the top. And so I like them. We're going to have to figure out this clamp situation. This is already moving, but I like them. I'm still hamstrung in here, but. Yours is moving too. We're going to have to figure it out. I just go along to get along. I just show up. Okay, listen. What else? I had fun. That's an hour and 10. I did too. Okay, thanks for listening. Bye, y'all. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.